And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Howdy, everybody. This is Arthur Staple. Welcome back to the Garden Faithful, your Rangers podcast from The Athletic. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Steve Valiquette. Steve, how are you doing, my friend? Very good. Coming off a great skiing weekend in Vermont where we had a foot of snow, so I'm enthused, reinvigorated. Let's go. Okay. Well, uh, you are feeling (laughs) better than the games that we've been watching (laughs) of the Rangers. So um, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, Not all of it is good. Maybe even only a small portion of it has been good. But even though, whatever, three, five, and one in their last nine, they won for the first time since Patrick Kane arrived uh, last night in a shootout in Montreal. And um, it was not a good game. Like, I think we can all, you know, there wasn't a lot of that kind of talk afterwards from Gerard Gallant or the players. I'm sure they were very relieved to just get two points considering the way they played. but to be perfectly honest, I thought they played a lot better against Boston over the last weekend than they did last night. And maybe that's a factor of playing a team that's, you know, that's having one of the best seasons in the history of the NHL and is operating at full capacity and playing a team that's out of it. And you face those teams. The Rangers have been that team a few times over the last few years when you see them in March and April and they're out of it and you get that dead cat bounce where the other team can just play loose and free and you're trying to get in the playoffs and yada, yada. So um, but there are some bad trends over the last, I would say month, probably since Vladimir Tarasenko got here and I can't, no, we're certainly not going to put it all on him. They've had a lot of changes since then playing short, playing 11, seven, playing 11, five, 
all the different things that they've gone through to get Patrick Kane here. And then since Patrick Kane got here playing short the first couple and finally back to 12 and six last night. Um, but uh, taking a quick peek, peek at clear sight uh, from, I think it's February 9th, which is the date of the Tarasenko trade. I believe they're sixth in expected goals four at five on five uh, and very good on the power play. Also top five, but 31st uh, in expected goals against against off the transition rush, which is a place they've been bad all year, as you've noted many times here. And I, I believe it was 29th or 26th, bottom third of the league overall in five in expected goals against. So they are getting their chances. They're giving up way too much and they're not making enough saves. Tell me where we are right now, Valley. I want to hear from you. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So um, I was skiing and missed the Saturday game against the Bruins. So I only came back and watched most of it on Sunday. But the one thing that I can tell you from the last game that I covered closely was the Ottawa game. The Rangers had 19 giveaways in that game. Last night in Montreal, they had 16. Montreal had 26. Last night was a giveaway machine both ways. <laughs> but what? why is it, right? Why is it that they can fall into that game? Because if you, if you love that style of play and you want to trade chances that way, it's going to fool you in the regular season because, let's face it, last night's roster completely uh, outskilled, outclassed Montreal on paper but you're in a 3-3 game that goes to a shootout. And if the Rangers play the final 18 games of the regular season, it's going to be a waste of eight days when the playoffs begin to take Daryl Sutter's famous line from last year that I loved. <laughs> and, you know, that's what I'm. That's where I'm going here, Arthur, because if I've learned anything about what matters is that the top five teams at the end of the season that defend the best always have a long run in them during the playoffs. You can't be fooled by outscoring teams and you can't be fooled by getting great goaltending. The New York Rangers have to lock it down. There's only eight games of the remaining 18 that are going to be against playoff teams. And I want to see Shesterkin play all eight of them. I want to put out the best lineup. I want to play playoff style hockey. And we have to get our habits back in check because it's the giveaways, right, Arthur? It's the high-risk yeah. passing. It's it's the nonchalant. It's the lack of urgency. And starting not on time last night again, where the Rangers being scored on in the first 30 seconds, I'm like, what's going on here? Nobody was ready. And and that includes Shosturkin. So I'm, I'm concerned. And I think that, you know, the concern to me is this one, Arthur. I thought that last night was permission for the guys, the coaching staff and management to say, you know what, let's just – Forget about the last two weeks. It was an absolute gong show. This is a reset game. This is a reset puck drop. Let's go. But then 30 seconds into it, you're pulling the puck out of your net. And I'm sitting there with John Gino and I'm saying, what's going on here? You know, I thought this was the reset game. So that's where I'm at right now. Uh, Patrick Kane. First two points as a Ranger. First goal as a Ranger. Had another <clears throat> egregious Giveaway. This one was more of a fumble than the kind of the, the the play he made in Boston with kind of the blind back pass where he's assuming things to be in evidence that he has no idea about since he hadn't even really had a practice with the Rangers yet. Uh, that giveaway in the Boston game that led to Thomas Noshek's uh, shorthanded goal. This one last night, fumbled the puck off, skating the wrong way. Everybody's zigging while the puck is zagging. Easy breakaway shorthanded goal for Josh Anderson. Um, and either he convinced Gerard Gallant uh, to keep him out there or Gerard Gallant recognized that uh, this guy needs to get going for this team to be any good. And so kept him out there. Yeah. Um, 
scores the tying goal and make it three three. A nice little shot on the power play with a good screen. He's obviously this is Patrick Kane. You know he he's got that skill level. But um, but you've we've seen a, a guy who and by his own admission maybe deferring a little too much for the first couple of games. And he knows he said it the other day. They brought they didn't bring me here to blend in. They brought me here because I won Stanley Cups because I'm the player that I am. I'm the guy who wants the puck. I demand the puck. Uh, I don't know if we've seen that guy yet. He was better at that last night, but the rest of his game, uh, not great. Not great, I think, is a pretty easy assessment. Well, I, I just spoke to John Ginone about this, and it's it's a conversation I had with Patrick Sharp, who played with Panarin and Kane when they were having that terrific uh, dynamic duo combo of the season that they had. And, you know, the, the thing about it that he said was that our team, Anisimov, who Ranger fans would be very familiar with, sure. he was the glue on that line. And he said the one thing that line needs is a really strong centerman that is not diving in for offense unless it's there. And, and it's got to be 100% certain. You need a defensive responsible centerman that plays above the puck. If a D pinches in, he's the guy that fills in for that D. But they always have to be above the puck in the offensive zone. And they can't blow the zone. The centerman can't blow the zone early because we know that they want to play. Look, I know it's a risky game, but it's a game you do have to look for. And we spoke on the previous pod about how the Rangers just couldn't get inside on Tampa Bay at the in the Eastern Conference Final in games four, five, and six last year. And part of this move for Kane was that he demanded to come to New York. And part of it was, I'm sure that it dawns on everybody that we've got to have a better version of Artemi Panarin this playoff. And Artemi Panarin, by his own admission, didn't like his playoff last year. So you bring in Tarasenko, who's a buddy, and you bring in Kane, who has had magnificent magnificent um, time together in chemistry and also a close friend. So I think a lot of what you know the Rangers have fallen into is the need to be able to get the most out of number 10 well, now bringing in number 88 that's going to be able to play at that level. It's going to take a little bit of time. Sharpie said the same thing. He's like, honestly, he's like, it's going to come. They just have to have the right combination. But look, he hasn't been there yet. Like you can see it. He's not in sync yet. But that's before two practices. They have two practices. He's better last night after a giveaway. And I thought that being able to score for him, if you, you know, you watch that replay and you see the emotion that's coming out of him, he was thrilled the monkey was off his back he came back after giving one away and he was very grateful he said it in the post-game presser that very grateful that uh, Gerard Gallant let him have another opportunity to stay out there I guess uh we could go on a hypothetical do you think that means when you look at the centers on this roster you know Philip Heedle is probably not the guy that that fits between those two necessarily uh Mika Zibanejad is probably the only one of the player that you're describing but Mika Zibanejad has relied on to do a lot of other things where I don't imagine that in Chicago when you have Jonathan Taves you don't need Artie Anisimov to be the guy who takes all the big face-offs and does all that stuff you need him to be the guy who is the conscience of that line between Kane and Panera can Zibanejad do that and also still do all the other stuff that the Rangers need him to do if he's the guy that they want ultimately put between those two. So that's the tricky thing because let's just say that it's Zibanejad. Well, you've just stated and outlined what could possibly be the drawbacks to that. And if it's Goudreau, if it's Goudreau, then can you really have Trocek slot in on the fourth line because we don't want to disrupt the third? So that's the conundrum, isn't it? 
And <laughs> I think what you're hoping for is that Trocek, if he's not the guy today, just like, and I know we talked about this once before, just like when you play on an Olympic team and you accept a role where you might have to say to Trocek, uh, here's the deal. I know that you can add value offensively, but we're going to really have you take a defensive role. And we know that you're not going to get a lot of points uh, that will be primary, but you will get secondary points on this line and you will help us win. And this is the role you're going to have to play and maybe draw him back into a defensive mindset a little bit. And I've, I get the sense that he's a very coachable guy. Uh, Gomer had a really good uh, – Scott Gomez had a really good uh, thing to say about him the other day where he played with him in Florida. He's like, great kid, you know, worked his ass off and he was always into it. He loves the game. And, you know, guys like that ultimately want to win. And it's not like Trocek's in a, a contract year either. Right. He's all set. Let's just go out and win. And I mean play for the crest in front. And that's that's everybody, isn't it, though, Arthur? I mean that's what everybody – and I think we've talked about this as well. It's what team – what team in the East is willing to put the crest in front before the name in the back? And because a lot of teams added, Toronto added six pieces for crying out loud, but a <laughs> lot of teams are playing. And I mean, contract year for Kane, yes. Tarasenko, yes. You know, and there's a couple of the young guys, of course, they got to get re-upped. But I think all in all, if everybody buys in and the team wins, everybody's going to win in the end. And it's a win-win. Well, I will say this. I did talk to Trocek uh, on Wednesday about, learning how to be, play with these two guys. And he did say that he watched some video of Anisimov when those three guys were together in Chicago, just to, as he said it, just to see what the center does with them. And like you said, it's not there, but just the fact that he went and did that on his own, probably. That is sign. unbelievable insight. That's great insight. Didn't hear that. Thank you for sharing that. But that's what I'm telling you, Scott Gomez said about him. He just said like, seriously coachable guy, loves the game. So you can you, you get you get it right there. He did that on his own. That's terrific. That's great news. Yeah. So, well, maybe we solved the problem. Um, yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. One problem that has not been solved and it will be fixed when Ryan Lindgren gets back and Rangers are practicing in Buffalo today. They've got the back-to-back this weekend. I don't know if that's going to be enough time to get him Back uh, after missing, I guess, two weeks now, um, it looks a lot like the Rangers did against Pittsburgh when he was out in the first round last year. This is a guy that we don't always notice a lot because he plays alongside one of the best defensemen in the league. Um, But those complimentary players, especially on D, are hugely important. And you can see why you could see why even if you hadn't watched any Ranger games that he's missed, if you watched the first minute of the game last night. Adam Fox doesn't turn the puck over like that almost ever. 
And I think yeah. he's playing with a new guy. He's playing with a guy who's a little bit of a wild card in Mikola, who's kind of goes all over the place. Um, you know, they had a they had a play in the third period uh, with the game tied where Fox is roaming around the offensive zone and Mikola decided to pinch. Anderson came down on another breakaway that Igor shut down. Um, you just you don't see that kind of play when Adam Fox is on the ice, and because you don't see it when he's on the ice, because Ryan Lindgren is almost always out there, and they're mm-hmm. they're D. Um, you know, we we could get into a lot of stuff this coming off season if the Rangers want to keep Patrick Kane. Can they do it and sign all those RFAs without letting go of a guy like Lindgren, uh, who's got another year left on his deal at three million? You watch them play now, and you say they cannot let this guy go anywhere as the, the team is <laughs> as currently constituted because he's he's the glue on that D it seems to be. Yeah, and that's another part of our earlier conversation which is, you know, where are they defensively right now? They're giving up too much, but without Lindgren and Miller up until last night for those three games, it's very hard to say how good are we defensively at right. day 1 of the playoffs when they begin. But at the same time, you also get exposed a little bit and realize that Oh my God, we're an injury away or two injuries away from really not having enough depth on D. And if you go back and look at any Stanley Cup winner over the last 10 years, you're going to use eight. You're going to use nine sometimes. So uh, that's certainly an issue. But we've talked a lot about the salary cap this year. Every team's under that. Not You can't have depth all the way through your lineup. And okay, maybe there's a little bit of an exposure there for the Rangers. But when Lindgren is on his game and Fox is able to jump up into the play or have a transition play of his own at the defensive blue line, you're always going to see Lindgren a few steps behind. He's the safety all the time. Always a safety, always back, doesn't do anything too risky. And you know what it's like when you're working with somebody and we know what you're going to do before you even do it based on your positioning because we know each other so well and we've played so much together. It's very hard. I know what it's like as a goalie. I'm going out there and I'm waiting for communication from a new defenseman and we have certain rules within our structure like as soon as you get over the defensive blue line, I want to hear one of the four play calls, reverse, leave it, play it, or wheel. And if I don't hear those things, then now I'm looking up and I'm like, is anybody coming? And then I'm getting smoked. And that's exactly what it's like for these guys right now when they're getting mixed and matched into new lineups. That's why we don't see instant chemistry when you add a Tarasenko or a Kane and takes a little bit of time. Like the weirdest thing too with the schedule is only having the two practices this week since the Kane trade. So, you know, you practice on Monday and Tuesday or excuse me, Tuesday and Wednesday and then, you know, I, I think the same issue could be said for what's been going on with the D. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, they brought in Mikola because Ben Harper didn't seem like the guy that could withstand. And then you've got the two of them in the lineup together and you're kind of wondering, you know, yeah, you, you can't. No team could withstand injuries to two of their top four guys or suspensions or whatever you want to call it. So um if they get they got Miller back, he definitely looked a little bit rusty, but he'll be fine. I don't think anybody has any concerns about him. We'll drop in two more positives that I think from this little stretch here that's been mostly negatives. One, uh, to me, Jacob Truba, you know, you, you talk about people will ask, well, why is this guy where the C? He's not the best defenseman. He has he he's had a rough year. He has been, when they play with five, 
he has been doing the intangible stuff, the blocking shots, the playing heavy minutes, getting out there every PK, you know, every he's the every every rotation he's out there in the penalty kill. He's doing power play stuff now a little bit more than he used to. Um blocking a ton of shots. Uh isn't you're seeing a little bit less of the of the huge 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 hits he delivered one in Boston, but the you know when you're playing with 5D, I don't think you have the luxury to to wind up in the penalty box for 5 minutes either. And um I just think that the the smarts that he's playing with, the way that the way that a guy who's maybe limited skill-wise at this point in his career, but but not limited in the leadership department, the way that he's kind of wrangled that group to even get the points that they've gotten, especially in the LA game, um, especially last night. Been really impressed with what he's done these last couple of weeks. And Arthur, you're not you were not in Montreal last night, right? No. You're local right now. Yeah. Okay. So, do you watch the uh, post game presser when he addressed uh, the cameras? How red his face was. <laughs> I saw you, you comment on it. Yeah. Yeah, you saw me comment on it. I always look at the players' faces. I used to look at a players' faces in our locker room, and I could tell you who actually emptied the tank and who didn't even give a shit. You know, <laughs> like you can see it. And I'm telling you, when I saw his face, I was like, "Oh my god, furnace face." I've seen Fox in his best games look like that, and it always shows me. Okay, that. Like the leader, the title, leader. I'm going to go first. The first guy through the wall always gets bloody. I'm going to show you guys. He wasn't going to let the team lose last night. He's another one of those nights this year where he said to himself, like, no, it's over. Slump buster. Let's go. And he did everything. And here's the thing that I always remind myself of. I have all the time in the world for a high performer that goes all out and empties the tank. If he makes a mistake, I've got your back. Mm -hmm. The only time I'd get pissed off as a teammate was when guys are, it's the same guy that's late to practice. That's the last guy on. He's the first guy out of the rink. And then he's the guy that makes the mistake. That's the mediocre teammate that you can't deal with. You don't have the time for, but you have to deal with that at certain levels on your way up to the NHL. When you get to the NHL, your expectations are you don't have a single guy like that. And the bad teams in the league do. They have multiple players like that. But when you when you have your leadership guys play the right way, and, and to a certain degree, that's what the Rangers are struggling with a little bit right now, is that if 10 and 88 get away with nonchalant play at times in all three zones, does that does that leak into line number three? And you can't have your kids playing like that because then you're in deep crap, right? So, you know, I think that, you know, you watch the way Zabanajad plays every night. You watch the way that Trube on the back end plays every night. I think those guys are the two guys that drive the bus for the Rangers and everybody follows their lead. Thankfully for the Rangers, those two guys are their two best players right now. And uh, you know what? You get a win and you go from there and, Playing against Buffalo tomorrow at five o'clock, and they're not easy to play against because they're really good off the rush. They've got 26 goals off the rush since the All Star game, but they're also 32nd in high danger chances against, and they're 31st in high danger off the rush. So they're going to want to go just like Montreal went last night, chance for chance with you. And the Rangers, they just have to shut that right down and play their game. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, 
real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Speaking of the uh, the third line, uh, we got to give a, a shout out to Alexi Lafreniere, who's looked uh, like a lot. You know, it, I kind of compare it to the last time they went to Montreal, which was in January. He was coming off the one game benching. Um, there was some question about where his head was at, where he felt like he fit, maybe. And now here we are, you know, two months later, and he's the hottest scorer they have. He scored his ninth goal, I think, in the last seventeen games last night. Another uh, pretty neat. Uh, net front tip like the one he had in Boston um, and he's getting power play time now with with these new even sort of evenly skill matched units uh, and he's producing and I think you know even as the as that kid line has kind of dipped a little bit in its effectiveness five on five and I think I would guess and you might back me up that Philip Heedle who's been getting a ton of chances still but hasn't scored I think in 14 games now um I think maybe his confidence at the at, at both ends of the ice is waning a little bit, but Lafreniere's confidence is is definitely higher, and uh, it'd be nice if all three of them could be going that well at the same time. But failing that, um, seeing seeing what Lafreniere has done in these last ten fifteen games is is definitely encouraging. What's been really encouraging too for me is that he he's got courage in front of the net. He's got courage and he's got a will in front of the net and. It was interesting because I was looking at when the Rangers did set up their power plays, who they chose to put with Kane and Panarin, and it was Lafreniere and Trocek, who are going to work almost in in combination in front of the net. And when you look at who are the sh- who are the players from the Rangers that are in front of the goalie, screening the goalie when the puck is delivered from the point, and it's Kreider by a long shot, but the second best option as a net front screen is Lafreniere, yeah. and the third best option is. Trocek. And they both have shown to be able to make contact with the puck when it's delivered in the air. So you can get a screened deflection. So he's earning it and he's also earning it on his puck recovery and then next play. So any play that gets to the net immediately after it gets below the goal line, one of those two guys, whoever's corner is uh, closest to them, they have to be first because that's how, and I'm just going to kind of jump with Lafreniere now being on the power play. That's how a skilled east to west passing power play is going to work. Those two guys, Arthur, they're so important in front of the net to recover, not just screen, but to recover because the screen's, you know, the first part, because the goalie doesn't see it coming in clean, so they can't control the puck. 
But now it's out back in play. They've got to get there and recover it because you want to put it back into the hands of 88 and 10 and 23 at the point. So I like what I'm seeing that way. And, um, you know, look, you get you really get that because he's built up that credibility in recent weeks. And I'm very happy for him because he's earned it. It hasn't been easy. And as I oftentimes say, I, I wish he could have stip, uh, skipped all these steps to start him. But you go through this and you you grow some skin and now you're you're in a position to really be a big part of specialty teams in the playoffs. So it's great for him and it's great for his confidence. And I knew he was going to score last night going back into Montreal too. <laughs> you know, what a difference a month makes. But you don't know. Seriously, that was a that was like a guaranteed goal because he's playing with that level of confidence right now and going home in front of friends and family. Big stage. Yeah, he's looked good. So we'll finish uh, in net, and Igor Shosturkin got a win last night. He he earned it by some of the saves he made, like the Josh Anderson save on the breakaway in the third period, a couple of ones on the Canadiens' power play in overtime, all three in the shootout. Um, he's not playing bad, but we seem to we seem to be saying this phrase a lot as the season has gone on. He's not bad. He's quite. He's still good. He's not last year good. Hardly anybody would be. But he's he's rocking a 908 right now, which is just above league average. Did a quick search on ClearSight before we started. Since uh, February 9th, which is the date of the Tarasenko trade, uh, he is 66th out of 79 goalies in uh, expected save percentage differential, which is his expected save percentage is, I believe, 875, and the real save percentage uh, is 845 on, uh, on high danger chances at even strength. So... Um, he's not Superman anymore and he needs, I, I guess we've been talking about it so long. He's certainly been talking about it with Benoit Allaire, with whoever he wants to talk to about this. And we've seen him react strongly after games, not, not terribly interested in breaking these things down. Most goalies wouldn't be. He's a very intense mm-hmm. guy. Um, but at this late stage now, does everybody, and that goes for the coaching staff, for Benny, for the players, for Igor, does everyone just have to say, maybe it's not, maybe we can't just wait around and wait for him to save us like he normally does. He's just, he's going to be good to very good. He's not going to be superhuman and we need to play accordingly to that. I don't know how you solve that issue, but here we are. Yeah. What, well, so I don't, I'm not going to say I can solve it, but I certainly have a, a suggestion. Okay. And my suggestion would be, let's talk about games played. First of all, you can't have him play over 16. That's not going to happen. But what we do have is a weekend that you can split games with Halak. Then you've got five home games in a row. Here's what I would like to do. I'd like to sit him down and say, Igor, here's what's going to happen. You're playing all five. If you don't need all five, you get Maybe he goes shutout, one goal against shutout, then we're good. We're back on track and you've got your timing. You know, seriously, you've got your timing. And that's what I want to talk about. How do we get you your timing? Okay. And the reason why you play five in a row and you know you're playing five in a row is because you can say to yourself, okay, I've got a little bit of rope here. You know, I'm going to go out there and 15 periods, I'm going to get my timing. And you look at goal number two last night against Montreal and the puck carrier shoots on the two-on-one. And I want to you know, talk goaltending here technique for a second, but all of us know this. Off the flanks, off the wings, when a puck carrier skates into the slot and they shoot on us, 
we have our best fundamental form and foundation and elevation when our knees are together and we are coming down and tracking down towards the release rather than splitting the knees apart, sinking our shoulders lower towards the ice, exposing more room up top. And that's what he did on that play. When I see the goalies that I work with splitting their knees off the release, it's the first reason why their timing is off because they're chasing the play. They are overextending themselves and reaching and trying to react up rather than coming down with the puck and over it. So let's just say he plays the five home games. He's at 51 games. Now you got 11 games left in the season and maybe he plays five of them and you have 56 games played for Igor Shosturkin and he's back on track. There's 18 games left in the season. Only eight of them are against playoff teams. I want him in every one of those. I want him to feel the pressure cooker. He has to get over the fact that he doesn't like his season right now and get ready for us. And for him to get his timing, his intensity, his belief back where he had it last night. He had four grade A saves through the third period and overtime to get you into the shootout. And then he came up big in the shootout. So he's already taken a step for me. Get a split this weekend and you got five home games. Have the crowd get behind him and let him feel great about himself. This guy is one of the best goalies we've ever seen wear a Rangers uniform. And he hasn't had it to his level, to his expectations. Let's help him get there. That's That would be my perspective. Well. Hopefully Benny listens to the show because I know he's still a big fan of yours. We'll see if he's going to take that into any of the meetings with with Gallant and the rest of the crew. And you never know. You never know. I know you carry a lot of weight around there, so we'll see. Oh yeah, right, right, right on. No, Benny. <laughs> Benny's got it all taken care of. He knows what's going on, and I'm sure that hopefully we look back on this experience this year and just say once again, it's one of those building moments, right? Like, did we expect Shosturkin to win the Vesna every year? Like, we don't, right? Like, that's just yeah. ridiculous. Um, even, he, he's still above league average, right? And this is yeah. the funny part of the conversation for you and I. If you and I are out having a beer tonight, I mean, we are, we're, we're hacking on this guy, but he's still better than league average. And can you want to, you want to look around the league and get, get another guy? No, thanks. I'll stick with what I have, <laughs> right? And so you, you figure it out. But um, every career is going to have some ups and downs, and now he's learning to manage it. The one thing that's funny about this guy's career is you go back the last six years, he's always been elite. This is one of the first times where he's really had a sticky season. You know, he started here nine and one. You know, we forget how good he's been. He's been, you know, all world. So he's learning too, right? And now he's going to have the tools to be able to get through this again in the future. And this isn't going to be the last time in his career that he has a, a season that goes sideways. Well, uh, we've seen some eh hockey since we last recorded. We'll be back again next week after uh, three and four, two games over the weekend, and then another one next, starting that, kicking off that five-game homestand, and we'll see how much Sturkin plays. We'll see how Patrick Kane fits in. We'll see if Ryan Lindgren gets back. All of their problems could be solved by then. We'll have to see. But uh, thanks, as always, to you, Steve, for, for coming by and uh, imparting your wisdom. Hey, my pleasure. I'm excited to see how this goes. It's going to be a fun finish. Thanks, everybody out there for listening to The Garden Faithful. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review if you're enjoying the show. That can really help us out. And right now, get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash TGF. We'll catch everybody again next week. Thanks a lot.